The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Old moon, yeah. That's Hugo, tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send her my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Season two. I'm Arnold Furious, and with me is Ollie Court. Hey there, Arnold. Hey, how's it going? It's going okay. Uh, January was exciting. A yeah. new beginning. Well, we, <laughs> we did the uh, the Britties last time, so we basically haven't yeah. touched on anything that's happened in European wrestling in uh, 2018. So we've got quite a lot to catch yeah, up on. Yeah, this is going to be a big catch-up show, and it's also the start of our new uh, conversational format. Uh, because, as Rob said in the previous episode, we were sort of getting a bit bogged down in matches we weren't too interested in or didn't have much to say. So now we're going to focus on the stuff that we have hot takes for fresh out the oven. Um, <laughs> and hopefully that means we can hit on more stuff as well. Yeah, that, that seems to be the way. Because we've got, well, we've got Rev Pro. Uh, we have three progress shows. Um, <laughs> I mean, normally that would take us like two hours because we'd go yeah. to a match at a time, but we'll, we'll fly through it. Um, and we've got Fight Club Pride to talk about, and WXW, and like loads. So um, we start with uh, with high stakes because we're both there. Mm-hmm. That seems like a, a good logical place to start. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah, but because that was sort of the first big show of the year. I think there was one progress chapter, but I'm not sure if it was a, a Camden one. So I don't know. I've still got in my. I feel like in my mind that the Camden ones are still the most important. Um, even though that's not really the case, and we gave show of the year to a Manchester chapter yeah, uh, <laughs> in the Britties. Uh, but this one felt like you know everyone was there, so it was sort of a good way to kick off the year and kick off this show. Yeah, it, it was like the third show that I went to this year. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so the obvious match that we want to talk about is the main event. So that was the tag between... Uh, incumbent RevPro British Tag Team Champions Mustache Mountain hailing from the WWE against uh, Suzuki Gun which was Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. from New Japan mm-hmm. where else in the world could you see this match? <laughs> yeah uh, RevPro seem to be the best at micromanaging that uh, that weird <laughs> relationship between uh, the, the New Japan guys and the WWE UK guys because they just kind of bundle them all in and it's also about a year since uh, Yoshihashi versus Pete Dunne, which is my favourite match of that kind, <laughs> just because of how strange it was. Uh, but this, yeah, very much in the same vein, and just the 
charisma explosion between these four guys. I, I don't know how they get away with it. Like, who do they yeah. have to ring? They have to call <laughs> someone up and go, oh, by the way, we're going to job uh, Tyler Bate out to Minoru Suzuki. Is that cool? Like, who does who makes that call? Yeah. Because <laughs> no one else seems to be able to get away with doing anything, like even having the match in the first place, let alone having a title on one of them and it yeah. going to the other. Yeah, the politics of uh, Brit Wrestling 2018 is a, a bit of a minefield and they've managed to navigate it fairly successfully and it leads to awesome matches like this. And it's a really great match too. I, Minoru Suzuki, yeah. we talked about this um, at the tail end of last year when he was over uh, for Global Wars, but he really brought his work boots for these shows and this might even be a better performance from him than... Uh, back at Global Wars when we thought he was great in that main event but it kind mm. of overshadowed by um, by Ishii and Keith Lee but like his performance here oh my god it was so good <laughs> yeah Absolutely. like he just he owned the arena from like the moment he stepped in um, and everyone got to play off that charisma really really well like him and Mustache Mountain had great chemistry and him and Trent Seven especially and like they got that sort of comedic edge down Suzuki's no stranger to doing those sort of pseudo comedy matches but also mixing in the violence at the same time like that's one of the things he's best at and Trent Seven the same so <laughs> they got to hit each other hard but also sort of play up to each other I, I think my favourite sequences in this were between uh, Suzuki and Tyler Bate though because the way that Suzuki treated him was Oh, it was just great. <laughs> like, he just didn't give a shit. He was, like, taking uh, spots off Tyler and just standing there and laughing in his face. Yeah, because <laughs> who's Tyler Bate to Minoru Suzuki? Yeah, even <laughs> It's though, a different world. Yeah, even though he is a big deal, he's been this, this big star. He's been on, a, uh, like, a takeover. But um, to Minoru Suzuki, nah, he ain't shit. <laughs> and he just treated him like nothing. <laughs> brilliant. A man Zach got involved too in the same kind of way. Suzuki Gun Zach is just a treat to watch, and like we sort of rumbling that uh, maybe they'll bring in more Suzuki Gun guys and sort of make that a a story throughout the year in Rev Pro that uh, Suzuki Gun are taking over. They don't really have any other good guys though. I'd, I'd permit Desperado, but mm. if they start bringing over like Kess. I just think they're going to over-egg that omelette. I think it's really special at the moment with Suzuki yeah. being the man. Yeah, and obviously they won the tag titles here, got the, the pick <laughs> of them holding all the belts. Um, and yeah, they're really trying to make Sabre Jr. a big deal, holding two top titles um, in the promotion. This win sort of felt a bit like uh, the Shibata win uh, last year with a Japanese guy coming in and winning the title, taking it back, and who knows, potentially defending it in New Japan. They're, they're definitely playing up that kind of thing again. So Suzuki's definitely coming back, and he's definitely they're going to try and make him a big deal going forward. I was uh, up on the balcony for this one. I was stood next to uh, Brother Mort, uh, who you know. Yeah, pleasure to see him, yeah, definitely. lovely guy. Um, but he's, like, at the start of the match, he was talking about the politics of it and going, like... Um, like how Andy Cube must have had to have spoken to somebody in New Japan and go like, yeah, Minoru Suzuki's coming over, but like him and Sabre are gonna have to lose to these WWE guys. And how did he get like get away with having that uh, conversation? And then when he they actually won, he was like, he won. 
they won. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a surprise to me as well. I didn't think that they would. Um, but it, it does kind of make sense that they put the titles on Mustache Mountain for them to lose it, and then they still have CCK in their back pocket, which they're going to be doing in May against uh, the Suzuki Gun Boys. Yeah, it's a shame they don't have a show in between, because it felt like they got everything yeah. hyped up uh, with this show and with the cockpits that they've run around it, and they still have another three months of waiting until we get that... Uh, yeah, because last end. year it was in April, that show, the um, the Epic Encounter show. So yeah, it's a bit longer to wait, but uh, they can heat it up uh, in the spring, so we'll have to see how that plays out, but they do ha- at least have a couple of big matches booked for that that they can build towards. Yeah, I'm kind of excited for Red Pro this year. Yeah, definitely. Um, they certainly changed a little bit last year, as did all the Britress, really. Um, but their cockpit shows became a big deal, and you know it's something to look out for. Uh, I haven't actually seen any of their cockpit shows in 2018 yet, but I know they had that weekend. Uh, a lot of interesting matches booked for that. I'll definitely dive into that at some point. Um, a lot of the cool shows, as we said uh, on the last show, were built around the Bullet Club and yeah. silly bullshit like that. <laughs> uh, so let's hope they don't fall into that. Uh, obviously, they probably made a fair bit of money on that, but it's not appealing to us particularly. So uh, Yeah, I think at the end of the day, uh, Andy's booking for the cash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, he does book matches that he thinks are exciting, and yeah. I, I do appreciate that. I, there was stuff on this card that was that was particularly good. I mm. thought Adam Brooks uh, versus Ryan Smile was really good. Oh, um, I'm gonna have big disagreement over that because really? I thought it was absolute rubbish. Really? Oh wow! <laughs> yeah, because it. Well, if it was like a 10 minute match, I would have enjoyed it more. It but was, it I probably was a little too long. But they um, really overegged the pudding and stuff like Ryan Smite, like when he was getting put back into the ring, him going through like the middle rope rather than the bottom rope. I just thought he was trying to, he was trying to be Hiroshi Tanahashi and have like an epic. Uh, potentially because he knew that this may well be his final match um, and he wanted to really go out and impress and he just tried too hard for his position on the card. Uh, well, uh, shit, I enjoyed it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't want to kind of kick him too hard even though, well, you know, the was, whole Lucha Forever thing is still a thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the crowd I mean, really actively disliked him. In a different situation, I would have appreciated this match more, but on the third match on the card, when there's still, you know, the two bigger matches that the show was built around to come, to have a 20-minute match like this, you know, the the paced epic, and with two guys like this, who one of whom you don't really know, and one of whom, you know, <laughs> hasn't had the best of years uh, recently in Ryan Smile. Like, I just thought they really over-egged it, and nothing appeal to me once I realised what they were going for. Do you think the, the dislike of Ryan Smile is due to Lucha Forever and it collapsing? I Yeah, I think a fair bit of that like, they really screwed <laughs> screwed it up with Lucha Forever. He screwed up a lot on Twitter. There was that whole you know, him and Alex Windsor fiasco and unlike Osprey, he's not like the generational talent to be able to get over that kind of thing. <laughs> Like, with Osprey, we can sort of just put it into the back of our minds and excuse it a bit, whereas with Smile, it's a bit like that's who he is because his in-ring work can't speak for itself in that regard. I don't know I if that's the... me being horrible, but... No, no, I think the timing of this was a shame because that match, I think, 
could have done better if it was in front of a different crowd at a different time. Definitely. But like, I really enjoyed it anyway. I think yeah, in a vacuum, it's going to look better. Um, I think we need to talk about the uh, some of the title changes they've been doing as well. Um, mm-hmm. They brought the women's title in. Yeah. And I think Ginny is your ideal champion here. Uh, they've basically booked everything around her, so yeah. it would have been weird if she hadn't have won. <laughs> I, I do think they did a really good job with Ginny last year because every cockpit show had a match with her on it and she won every single match. You know, challenger stepped... She was basically the champion before they had her belt. Yeah. Uh, and the, bringing the belt just kind of confirms it. Um, so I thought, you know, they built it very slowly. Um, it was just a single match on the show, but Ginny was the focus from the very start. And now they have a situation where she feels like a big deal and whoever beats her will it'll feel like a really significant moment so they've done a good job with that one i don't think they've done a particularly good job of building a division though because you've got no like the setup here was like they've got b Priestley in because of osprey and then you've got uh, millie mckenzie because she got screwed in the tournament but like millie was made by the fight for pro it wasn't yeah something that red pro have done it's they focused all their booking on Ginny. Mm. so it's a case of like where do you go from there well again like the cockpit seems like a good vehicle to build it up now um like they built up Ginny throughout the year so she feels like a big deal now they can focus on everyone underneath her it definitely Um, needs work oh yeah certainly but i think like pretty much all women's divisions in britress right now need work but uh the fact that they are building it up and giving the attention at least of a champion um is a solid foundation Oh, that's fair enough. Uh, also, the other uh, big title switch was the Cruiserweight title, and I was extremely happy for Curtis Chapman. This was at yeah. the end of last year. This was at the the Bullet Club show, whatever it was called. I'm actually looking it up. So I can't Upri- it's Uprising, that's right. <laughs> I, I literally cannot remember anything about Uprising. I didn't watch it. It's like it never even happened. Like <laughs> I was too busy to like even give it a <laughs> glancing thought. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it just had no no bearing on anything other than Young Bucks and Cody playing or being and Marty Skull being the Bullet Club and everyone fawning over that <laughs> if that's your lifestyle choice then I'll let you get on with it <laughs> but my only take home from that show was that Curtis Chapman won the, yeah. the Cruiserweight title I was really, really quite happy <laughs> that's really the only significant thing that happened but yeah again it's the guy who they built up pretty consistently and slowly throughout the year on the cockpit shows to the point where they can have a match like this against Rob Lias and have it feel like it belongs. Like, yeah, if they put put these two on a year ago, it wouldn't have felt like anything, but they built those guys up to an extent where you can put them on the first match on the card. You can have Chapman be the champion of the division, even if he is there by banana peel, and it, it feels important, and, yeah, it has a place on the show. I think they had a bit of an issue here where they put Chapman and Lias together, because they've done a good job of building them both up, but mm. there's still a large amount of fans that go to those York Hall shows that don't watch the cockpit shows. Oh yeah, definitely. Wouldn't have known it's a, who they it's a were. different kettle of fish. Um, I think there was a good reaction for him when he came out, but then the way the match was put together, it wasn't particularly good, and I think that might have hurt him by coming out there and not having a yeah, that... that that title, his title reign, really needs a big defense against a big name challenger to really yeah, feel he, important. He had like a three-way with uh, Brooks and 
Webster, I think it was, on the, one of the cockpit shows. But um, it, he needs a big singles defense. Yeah, definitely. He doesn't necessarily have to win it even, but like <laughs> he needs that big singles challenge just yeah. so he can put out a good match so people remember this yeah. run. Um, his finisher got over though the Mega Drive yeah <laughs> that looked absolutely killer and maybe that's why they picked Lias because they knew that they'd been practicing it uh, down in Portsmouth or whatever and knew they could make it look amazing I suppose that's fair but yeah that, that match didn't really do too well um, what did you think of uh, Aussie Open versus the LIJ boys oh it was good <laughs> yeah it was kind of just coasting on Evil and Sonata's charisma and kind of prove that they have that star power at, to be at the top level of New Japan uh, you know, it wasn't an amazing match or anything but people got behind Aussie Open they do have a, a really good groundswell of support in Britrest now and they recognised it was a big opportunity for them so it was a cool fun match Yeah, <laughs> not not going to set the world on fire but I, I enjoyed it for what it was yeah, that's one of those ones where I don't really remember what happened <laughs> it was just a, it, it was there I preferred yeah. um, Osprey and Andrews. Oh, yeah. Second. That's really good sprint. <laughs> yeah, it was only like seven minutes, but yeah, they just threw everything out there. Like, <laughs> everything they knew they could do and all the crazy groundbreaking shit that they can do. Just <laughs> chucked it all on the plate and served it up. And I'm kind of just, like, when you look at that versus Smile versus Brooks, which went 20 minutes and didn't say very much, this only went seven and they packed so much stuff in. Uh, cage, ma- thought... cage match says 9.42. Oh, okay. <laughs> but yeah, less than 10 minutes is very surprising for like those two. It felt five, though. It was just <laughs> so fast-paced. Yeah. It really was a good little fun. bit too spotty, but then uh, I, I think I can let Will off because he's had such a, an incredible January. Um, we'll get around to that in a bit. Um, we also have progress shows to talk about. Lots of progress shows. Well, there's, there's <laughs> They've been two, very busy. Two chapter shows, but they also have had these uh, midweek shows at the Dome. Um, so I, I actually, my first show of the year was the, the Dome show on the 10th. Because uh, the last time I went to the Dome, well, I've been there twice. I went there for WXW twice last year. Yeah. And I just love that venue. It's a great venue. So I thought, I'm off work that week. Midweek show, I'll go and check it out. And... It was a really good show. The there was nothing completely blow away in the ring. It's like I wouldn't say, "Oh, go and watch this show on um, on there on demand or anything," but it's I, I, it's the combination of like that small venue and that company putting that all that in that small venue. It just I really enjoyed it. The mm, yeah, I've, I've never been there, but. Uh... Oh, they seem they seem to have found a, a better formula for their B shows because yeah. they were doing that reality TV show thing for a while, which was just a bit bizarre. Well, they and, had that and they had Endeavor before that. And Endeavor, but Endeavor never felt important. Like <laughs> yeah, that did feel just like a trainee show. I think this is a better balance where you know they, they haven't got any like B show, you know, WCW Thunder branding it's like on that, it. Um, that ICW show when they run the garage, they have like the yeah the smaller crowd. The more intense crowd and uh, yeah it really worked well um, some uh, talents that kind of uh, passed their auditions as it were I thought yeah. Kip Sabian uh, on that show was really good uh, got the crowd into the match crowd got into all of his shtick and I thought he looked terrific he really isn't uh, established anywhere because he was like a big guy for Lucha Forever and mm, kind of that went tits up yeah it, so 
he kind of lost his big gig there. Yeah. Uh, but based on this performance, I think he'll be in progress very soon. Also, I thought it was a good turning, uh, a good uh, display rather from uh, Saxton Huxley, Muscle Cat, <laughs> and Gabriel Kidd. Really good tag team. I'm a massive Muscle Cat fan. <laughs> was uh, Danny Jones on this show? I don't remember. Uh, he but... was on. Or was he on the previous one? On the previous and he was against one. Mike Bird. Oh, yeah. Mike Bird. That was one, yeah. really great, but I didn't see it. Yeah, because uh, I want to see how he does this year. He's certainly one to watch. You know, after his uh, All Japan excursion last year, I got to see a bit of him there. Um, and I know you know he's a big deal for Dragon Pro uh, in Wales, but I have never seen any of that. So uh, it'd be interesting to see if he gets more regular work in progress and other places that a bit more high profile, so that more people can see him, and we'll see just how good he is. Yeah, he definitely looked good when uh, he was on one of the chapter shows. 62. Yeah, it was the tag, was, yeah, tag was, team match. Yeah, um, tagging with um, Mark Andrews. Well, I think he looked good though. Solid. Um, I think we uh, we've been kind of talking around it, but there was this massive like sex abuse scandal mm. in in January, and one of the best things about that dome show was the end of uh, Strangler Davis yeah he got taken off that show completely um, removed not spoken the night of yeah and disappeared so yeah that that is definitely a good thing like it's good to see some actual action done rather than just words because a lot of time you know you see people talking about it on Twitter but then you know what's going on behind closed doors is another thing altogether so that's like a definitive thing you can hang your hat on uh, there's still a lot more to do, very clearly, very evidently. But you know that is something you can point to and say something was done about it. Yeah, it's it was needed to be done. You couldn't yeah. just have him on the show. Uh, I I was mentally planning what I would do if he was yeah. there. Like I was considering just turning my back on the ring. Uh, I'd spoke to some people beforehand who said they they would just go outside <laughs> while his match was on. So there there was a clear we don't want to see him in any capacity. And Definitely. I'm glad they listened. Uh, I got to have a chat with Glenn Joseph after the show because um, he's like the only one of the three progress boys I'd never met. But uh, I was sat in the pub uh, next door afterwards and he just kind of came in and sat on the same table. He just happened to be directly opposite me so I struck up a conversation. And um, the, the only uh, thing that I'm going to uh, mention is that uh, I said I'd, I'd uh, had a chat with John Briley, uh like the previous year and that I thought he was a nice lad and Glenn just looked at me and went are you sure you spoke to John Briley? <laughs> <laughs> so that made me laugh. That and um, another uh, highlight from that show was uh, when Amir Jordan came out I uh, took the opportunity to nip to the toilet because he's got a very long entrance mm. and on my way past uh, the merch area uh, Chakara and Candy Floss were dancing to his music. <laughs> A uh, very funny little double take I pulled off there. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> sounds like uh, you know it's got a good atmosphere. These dome shows, and it sort of washed away the stink of B show about it, I guess. Um, which Freedoms Road kind of had a bit of, and you could only really get into if you're an absolute diehard. Yeah. This is this is a bit more accessible and a bit like uh, I, I I like the midweek thing as well. Yeah, yeah, so this is something I'd recommend going to see live. I don't think it's going to translate as well. 
mm. on, on the VOD. Just yeah, midweek show. If you're around, go and check it out. Yeah, awesome. Should we talk about the chapter shows as well? Because we've been very busy. Uh, obviously, I, I, I don't. Were you there for chapter sixty-three or? Yesterday. Okay, so we have two chapter shows to talk about: uh, sixty-one and sixty-two. Um, and I was at sixty-one. I was at probably work, shouldn't. I was at work for sixty-two. Yeah, <laughs> probably shouldn't bury the lead and just go out and say it that uh, Walter versus Tim Thatcher. Uh-huh. It's a fairly good way to start off the year. Um, it's in it's in my top ten. I only have ten matches rated four stars and above, and so far this year, and this is one of them. What a very good way <laughs> to start off the year. Yeah, um, Ian, who was there, um, told me that he'd gone like full boats on it, that he'd gone five stars, and I was oh, like, wow. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, but then I watched it, and I was like, wow, I can see how he might think that. That is incredible. Incredible match. So intense. Uh, Tim Thatcher in this. Oh, my God. Yeah, he, like, I, I have been very critical of Tim Thatcher in the past, and he's still kind of hot and cold for me but uh he was really on it this one i think sometimes he he might oversell a bit like um i remember when he was first in progress against jack gallagher um and he was like selling his knee like it got shot off and i thought it was a bit eh, it's a bit much for like five minutes into a match and just a bit of technical stuff but when you're dealing with (laughs) such the force and the violence that this match contained that kind of you know playing to the back row stuff works because when you do get chopped in the head by Walter chopped in the face <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna look like it hurts <laughs> so you better sell it like it hurts and yeah it was just it was a really good spirited fight by Thatcher just against the relentless viciousness of Walter and I thought that was just a really good um good through fare for this match to deal with and the way those two related to each other obviously they know each other really well and have probably planned out a match like this for a while, but just the execution of it was so perfect. Yes, yeah, outstanding stuff in this match. It was so hard hitting. Like if if that hard hitting style, if that's your thing, we we've got a match for you. Yeah, and yeah, it really. I think it raised the profile of the Atlas title. Um, oh, Walter's been doing that since he's picked it up. Yeah, <laughs> because previously it has been like a fun belt for like. Matt owned that title and made it feel really important, but it always felt a bit like a sideshow, and kind of the same for Walter. Like he'd ha- he'd have the Walter match and it was really cool, um, but I think main eventing with it almost makes the Atlas title feel like the most important title in progress right now, and it's certainly the one I'm the most invested in because who the hell is gonna wrestle it off of Walter when he chops chops his best friend in the face and <laughs> <laughs> boots him on the ground? It, it has caused them a, an interesting problem where. Like, which is the more important title? Is it going to be, mm. like, Volta's Atlas title or Travis Banks's? Because, action? yeah, I was, I was going to move on to save the, the whole CCK power trip fallout stuff that has felt a bit like kids playing at the kids' table compared to, you know, the big boy wrestling in the main event. Yeah. Um, I well, don't know how that's come across for you. But well, the Atlas title of... has always been, like, a, a very difficult title for them to book because they have mm. to do it as secondary to their, their main but at the same time, they've. It's just been difficult to find guys that could fit the the bill, uh, even for the tournament in the first place. It just the, the wheels fell off that thing before they even got near the finish, um, and they eventually got the right guy in Rampage, then took it off him and he disappeared. 
uh, and then, like you say, Riddle had it as a like a, a trophy belt, mm. uh, <laughs> which I did really enjoy, but it always felt a bit like a sideshow. No, it kind of like took away from what the what the division was, mm. which was and Wal- big Walter's the perfect guy. Yeah, to have it, <laughs> and this was easily the best match they've had in that division. The only other one that I think comes nearer is uh, that Rampage versus Coffee draw they had in the tournament. Yeah, it was really good. To be honest, uh, all the Walter uh, Riddle matches I thought were great. Oh, yeah. This, yeah. Nice. This <laughs> Forgot better. about them. Yeah. Um, so it has had a good history so far. Um, but yeah, this match clearly like the jewel in the crown for the Atlas right now. Uh, but I do worry about that main event picture they've got going on right now because there's no clear person to root for. And I get they're kind of going for shades of grey, like who's who's on whose side, but it all just it comes across as a bit petty, <laughs> like, and there's just nothing to really sink your teeth into. Like with Walter Thatcher, you can you get it immediately, whereas this is a bit. I'm kind of scratching my head and sort of wandering off to <laughs> do something else while these matches are on. And you know, a wrestler of a caliber of Travis Banks should be hooking me more than that. I think the problem that they've got here is that TK Cooper has been out injured for. God, what was it nine months yeah he was out the, for a very long time yeah and then he came back and like his second match was the title shot at uh, 62 um and he, he did look a bit rusty in that match so it was kind of disappointing yeah it's a shame so, because cooper was riding so high when he got the injury and also the dahlia black injury which kind of hurt the act and it is a shame that we never got just months and months of awesome power couple slash power trip stuff um, and it's going to take a while to build that back up again, and he doesn't slot straight back in into this story very well, I don't think. Yeah, it's a shame they've, they've made it so confrontational right from the, the get-go, when surely there was a lot of sympathy for TK. It's, yeah. almost, it's making it hard to root for Travis. It, it has caused issues, there's no doubt about that. And also kind of in the background, you have Eddie Dennis, who is the most compelling character they've got right now, but he's, he, injured, he's injured, unfortunately. Yeah, he's, he's out until yeah. July. That, that's, a, that's an absolute killer, because his story is so interesting, and his character is so interesting, because it uses the history of progress almost against <laughs> progress itself. Yeah. I really like that, that a character is, sort of broken out. There is one good thing about it, and that's that uh, now he's going to get the chance to talk for months. Yeah. Whereas, and he's really good at talking, yeah. <laughs> especially in this character. And that's the thing. Like, uh, do you remember when uh, Steve Austin first rose to prominence? And it was mainly because he couldn't do any wrestling because his neck was broken. So they just had mm. him interacting with authority figures. Yeah. This is the perfect opportunity to do something very similar with Eddie Dennis. Maybe and not like build. They have the opportunity to build that to that Andrews match, and they can do that. At Wembley, <laughs> you know that it doesn't necessarily have to main event, but that could be a huge grudge match to build up to. Yeah, with you know virtually no contact until then. Yeah, so it's it's a great shame for their main event scene because they can't use Dennis in the way they wanted to. But if you know a bit of foresight looking into the future, they can they can build something big with this because the character is on fire right now, really compelling. As someone who isn't enjoying much of the progress storylines right now I, this is really up my alley and I'm very much invested in it so if they can build to a big time match on a big show like the Wembley one which they have in their back pocket you know that's that's definitely something I can get into yeah they've, they've had some definite misfortune with, with the, the timing of injuries 
like the the TK Cooper injury coming when it yeah. did. Um, their their tag division has has gone tits because of Kid Lycos being injured, so they yeah. ended up with uh, <laughs> uh, like a heel uh, heel match for the titles because that was where the titles were supposed to be going, but they had no other way to get them there. So it's, it's almost like an accidental thing where Gibson and and Drake had the belts, and it was like, well, why have they got the belts? Because we had to put them on someone. So that, that's <laughs> just how it turned out. Yeah, it's a, it's a shame what they're doing with the Havoc Haskins and Haskins trio as well, because I I was really into that act coming out of um, the big uh, September show in Alexandra Palace, and they just haven't explained who they are and what they're doing. <laughs> it's I get they're maybe going for the mystery angle, but. <laughs> I think we saw two years ago they're not very good at the mystery angle with the whole <laughs> who is William Eva, what's his secret I, you know, I give me at least you can have a secret in your back pocket but just give me at least a reason for them wrestling rather than just they are wrestlers well, they have got something uh, strange going on with Vicky as well because they've got her involved with uh, Flash Morgan Webster Yeah, and it seems like that's kind of scratching the surface of something else that they, they're doing there and I did like uh, like throughout chapter 62 though they were leaving me asking a lot of questions and going like well, where are we going with this um, which I don't know makes me want to come back and see what happens uh, it's, it's good that you know they're keeping you interested I just wish there was a baseline to that group and that character like what is their actual motivation it's I, I, I do want to see where they go, and I like the act. I like the Vicky Haskins holding the um, the barbed wire baseball bat. I think it looks cool, but I there's just where what's the motivation? <laughs> did they ever it's explain like, why they turned? If they did, I missed it. Well, I, the thing is, I really enjoyed their match in Alexandra Palace, and like that act that uh, Mark and Vicky Haskins were doing together in that match. It made sense for them to team up, but. It's just been way too long since then to still have no explanation as to why they're teaming together. <laughs> I, it's well, it's an odd one, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> <laughs> so anything else? Uh, oh, <laughs> I feel like it's been a while. It's almost a month now since that match, but the the parachuted in Pete Dunne versus Joe Connors match, which happened. <laughs> oh yeah, that was uh, that was sixty one. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Connors, the uh, amazing wrestler who hasn't been seen since that one, unless he turned up on sixty three. I haven't actually. No, I don't um, know what happened on on sixty three. Um, yeah, <laughs> that was fair. a very strange run. To be fair, the match was okay. Yeah, but again, it's Joe Connors. <laughs> so, you know, well, I had a conversation with you uh, before high stakes, saying that I I wasn't going to bother reviewing that match because I just didn't I couldn't find a way to to make it interesting. But if I'd have been paying more attention live, which I wasn't, I was chatting to people, but if I had paid more attention live, that was actually quite good. Um, but I mean, the they trouble... worked very hard, but it, it felt like a match that could have just taken place anywhere in the entire universe, and it just didn't fit in to the show that they were putting on there. And you see how hard the characters Connors was trying to get oh, yeah. that crowd done. <laughs> he was I... jumping all over the, uh, all over the O2. I appreciate them uh, them doing that as well, trying to, to make him different, to appeal to the different crowd. Because a, a lot of the problems he's had is that he's come in as just boring old Joe Connors doing rest holds and stalling, which works fine in some companies. 
but it doesn't work in progress. That's not what the, the fans buy into. That's not what they boo. Mm. Um, so they had him different uh, in that match with Pete Dunne. He was putting the work in, but he was also uh, like bantering with the fans, which is more along the lines of what heels in progress mm. behave like. So it's a little bit too little, too late, <laughs> and it. As I say, that match just had no context in anything. That UK title, I I get what the there was a bit of chat. I can't remember who posed the question, but it kind of is the most useless belt in all of wrestling because it doesn't really stand for anything, and the matches just get put oh, on and then yeah, shuffle just... off. <laughs> it's it's like, just it's a you know it's not changing one. hands, so yeah. why bother with it at all? Why? Vanity. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think they should probably just chuck it in the sea and uh, forget about it. They're going to take Pete Dunn over anyway, aren't they? Mm. It's only a matter of time before he's living in Florida. I'm mean, fair play to him. He he really does get the business. Uh, like yeah. He is what, one of the best wrestlers at understanding wrestling and what it's supposed yeah. to be about. I just I wish they would uh, pull the trigger on that though, rather than keeping us in Pete Dunn limbo for over a year. <laughs> uh, I guess there's a plan. I, well, maybe there isn't. <laughs> I feel like there isn't a plan. <laughs> it will happen when it happens. Yeah, you get the feeling like he, he's going to be there eventually, and yeah. that's just a prop that he happens to have until that such time. So yeah, it's it's a strange one to sort of wrap your head around, I guess. It's one of them WWE things where they, they've done something specifically for a reason, but now the reason is gone and they're left with a title. <laughs> and it's like, what do we do with this? <laughs> they, lo- they do love doing that. <laughs> if five stars start getting a little bit of traction, which they won't, because. <laughs> uh, but if they do, then you might see some more UK specials and stuff happening. Mm. It's more likely if there's some reason for, for doing it in the first place. Do I sense a segue to towards five star chat? You talk about five star. I really don't have anything to say. Oh boy. Well, I'm I'm not gonna watch any more of their shows. I was only in it for that that first one, which was, you know, two and a half years in the making. Really, you know, finally they were gonna go off on this uh, UK wide arena tour um, that would take half a year. I don't even know if there are that many arenas uh, in the UK. Are they still to... doing the four hundred man tournament, or have they given up on that? I think they stopped the 128-man tournament, but there was a mini-tournament for the tag titles, their new tag titles, which, but that was only a four-team tournament. <laughs> so the 128-man tournament <laughs> never happened. They went down from 128 to four, <laughs> or eight, I guess, if you want to be pedantic about how many people are in a tag team. But uh, yeah, it was such a bizarre show. It was like watching a budget Raw and... I, I don't even know how anyone makes it through three hours of Raw every week, of let alone... But... <laughs> and this was a... You know, it, the production was fine, apart from the audience being literally completely pitch black because there was no one there. I think about six, 600 or something reported uh, from inside the venue, which holds 11,000 people. I think 600 so they... is not a bad number for a company with, that has no history. Yeah, but I think, again, they were papering that quite heavily as well <laughs> i know uh benno from my other podcast <laughs> got in for free uh <laughs> um so i don't know how much of that was paid and yeah 
it just looked a bit tragic and <laughs> whenever the camera sort of accidentally panned. Do you kind of uh, get the feeling that we might have got invited if we hadn't slagged them off so much? Yeah, but they deserved getting slagged <laughs> off because they cancelled their tour because they blamed the Manchester terror attacks, uh, which is, you know, pretty lowest of the low behaviour. Um, and yeah, there was pretty much nothing of note on this show at least to like really sink your teeth into other than Zach Gibson who just cut a promo basically slagging off five star <laughs> <laughs> and you know focusing on imports only and um I don't think he he was he never said anything about the number in attendance I think that was maybe the only thing he wasn't allowed to get into but he pretty much got into everything else like the amateur production and <laughs> uh focus on yanks um and yeah he just he was so that was such an interesting promo uh master of a mic really and yeah the show kind of got booked around him in a way like he got established as the next challenger to johnny fucking nitro of all people johnny five star um, johnny five star um but yeah he it, this was a really good thing to put on his uh cv for wwe in the future <laughs> and if a, if the show is just a vehicle for zach gibson then fair play I don't think anybody watched it this week. Um, and even fewer people, negative numbers of people will watch it uh, this coming week. So it's just the fact that it's weekly and it's three it's hours. Just bizarre. It's bizarre. Why would you do that? <laughs> and you're, you're still booking it around Americans who aren't going to be here in a few weeks' time. I don't even know what that living situation is like for the guys who are on the show. I, di- I don't really know what's going on with that. Do they have Rey Mysterio for the entire tour? <laughs> It's just very bizarre, uh, but as a one-off thing to slag off on Twitter, it was a good time. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, I just I watched something else. I don't yeah. remember what it was. Yeah, Zach Gibson was gone on it. Seagal, who, the straight to, <laughs> um, video uh, movie, which was dreadful. Wow, <laughs> that probably would be a better time than five star. Um, and also, PJ Black looked very haggard. Looked like he'd been living in a bin for about two years. <laughs> like Yoshi Tatsu living in a bin. That's what he looked like. Yoshi Tatsu's um, good, man. He is. It's incredible. <laughs> Completely off topic, but yeah. Like, Dominion 2016. Uh, Michael Elgin defeating Kenny Omega in the ladder match with help from Ricochet, Matt Seidel, and Yoshi Tatsu. Who would have thought that out of all those guys, <laughs> Yoshi Tatsu would be... Uh, the big indie fave. It's a ridiculous state of affairs, to be honest. This is, um, <laughs> this is drifting into post-podcast yes. chatter. We should be we charging always, for this kind always of end talk. up talking about something <laughs> ridiculous like Yoshikatsu. Here it comes again. Lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. Let's get back on track. Uh, Do you want to talk Fight Club Pro or WXW? Let's talk Fight Club Pro. Yes. um, I'm aware that what they have there now is not what we fell in love with in the first place because we really really fell in love with that fight club pro uh the fiction uh like the the whole atmosphere that they had definitely that that run from about 
July, August to yeah, the, January. <laughs> the start of Travis's loss uh, streak of defeats. Yeah. Uh, that match with Sabre Jr. Like from the, that, very, that's the very first match they put on the Vimeo as well. Yeah, from there versus Sabre Jr. Um, like him winning the title. That run was brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> so many great matches, um, and they're still having great matches. But yeah, it definitely isn't quite the same thing. Um, I, I was it, it feels that, very different. <laughs> that show thinking like. I kind of wish some of the, the trainees were getting on the shows, and I would like mm. because where's Johnny T? All these years later, Simpson, where is he? he? You had like El Fantasma against Adam Brooks, and no, like I don't have an issue with either of them. They're both perfectly good professional wrestlers. One of them's Canadian, one of them's Australian, and did they really add any ticket sales to that show? Um, no offense to either guy, like them both, but. Has about giving some of the kids a chance because when they mm. do give the kids a chance, look at what happens. Amari was in by far the best match on the on the card against Keithley, and him versus Imports has always been intriguing to me because he has a completely different um, dynamic to him than uh, mm. somebody like Travis Banks, who's always been an underdog but fights hard. It's like Amari's already big, and he just has a different way of doing stuff. It's and they've got a nice little three-match plan there with, with Keith Lee, with them being one-on-one one after two matches. And the other thing that I really like about Fight Club Pro is the way they booked Millie McKenzie. Yeah. And that came to a, a head on this show because she was up uh, in the main event, got down to her and Brooks in, the, uh, in an elimination match, and it's like she could actually beat the champion here, <laughs> thus earning herself a title shot, and in comes Ginny to screw her over. And the whole reasoning behind that is it's if you look at it from a cross-promotional point of view millie mckenzie is like a like a johnny come lately to the all the scenes that Ginny wrestles in she's coming to uh rev pro uh she's coming to uh progress and she's featured in in high profile matches there and Ginny's gone like well two can play that game i'm gonna go to fight club pro in the dingy little warehouse in wolverhampton and uh, show her how it's done that's a yeah. great storyline. <laughs> I've n- I never thought of it like that before, but yeah, that that is really awesome. <laughs> and as you say, the Fight Club Pro booking, like the real strength of it, has been that focus on the three young House Fight Club uh, guys and girls: Omari, Millie McKenzie, and Kyle Fletcher. And they re- they really feel like the focus of the shows they put on. Like they still have all these veterans. They have Mark Haskins and Devlin and Brooks as the champion. We'll get to that in a minute, but uh, they they have all these you know big name guys. But the focus of the show is like the real center of the emotional stuff that they're core. doing. But yeah, the emotional core of the shows are those three, and they're all really thriving in that environment. And also, you know, Mark Davis isn't uh, one of those young guys, but yeah, to, to by extension, extent, like, he's in there as well. You got like Drew Parker as well, who they're kind of bringing him on. Uh, yeah. like a, a deathmatch daredevil Definitely. guy I, I mean uh, that the was highlight the one of their thing year on really show was, uh... that was kind of weird because they had it as um, like an attack um, co-promoted show but it didn't yeah. feel that, like an attack co-promoted show yeah, like, the one it was just an excuse did. to have silly stuff in the first match yeah. <laughs> and that was about it but because of that they had Drew Parker in that as part of like what he is in attack which is a, a very strong heel 
Yeah. Um, so he couldn't be the same guy. So that was weird to me. Like they did a crossover, and he's the only one that isn't doesn't slot in because he's two different guys. Yeah. Yeah, it, it didn't feel like as strong a crossover as it was last year. Uh, you were at that show last year, and yeah, last year, <laughs> as you know, it was it was a very weird one. <laughs> that was a very very fun time. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I thought the show was all right, but I can't shake the feeling it was booked about like fifteen minutes before showtime with all the guys gathered in the back and going, okay, we'll <laughs> we'll do put get all our shit in and then get eliminated or whatever, and. <laughs> uh, it felt that kind of you're getting very cynical. Together. <laughs> I think Fight Club Pro is a great live thing. Um, it doesn't come across quite as well when I'm in my pajamas in the living room watching it on my own. Um, it, it's something that you need armed with um, a dark fruit cider. Mm-hmm. Uh, other good other good ciders are available. Um, I don't think they are in your hand. <laughs> you know. Your mates all around you. You need that atmosphere. You need that environment of craziness to sort of get it. I think, um, and it is a really cool time when you are there. And I can attest that Death House match was <laughs> pretty visceral and just an incredible live environment. Um, but yeah, looking at it sort of from afar, it was kind of a weird show to watch. Uh, apart from Keith Lee Omari, which was great. However, you slice it. Yeah, I see what you mean. I do prefer going to those shows live. And I think, like, Fight Club Pro is the only promotion that I didn't follow for a long time on VOD before I went to see it. I saw, like, one show and was like, ah, i got to see that. And then I went. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It it has got a really good live environment, probably the best um, in all of BritRest, really. Um, And the sort of trips to Wolverhampton are semi-legendary at this point. Um, it's always a good time to go. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if the product comes across as well on VOD, um, bare bones as it is, without really like a commentary team or presentation or anything. Um, oh, no, I, I don't think know what you think of, about that. I think it lacks some of the intensity that it used to have as well. It used to be you went to Fight Club Pro and at least one match, usually half of the matches on the card, are really intense. Yeah, and. El Phantasma versus Adam Brooks. Sorry to keep banging on about them, but it's just like, <laughs> what was that? I, I know it's like one of these. The thing is, they had like this attack crossover show, and like, where are the attack guys? Mm. It, yeah, I didn't really get that whole attack crossover, apart from, as I say, the silliness in the first match with all the gimmick guys. Um, it, it maybe didn't mesh quite as well. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this show or? Should we talk about how they're going to the NEC for DTTI? Oh, that's very exciting. Yeah, that is a big that is a big deal for them because obviously uh, last year's DTTI, their big show was uh, in the, the Diamond Banqueting Suite. <laughs> we know very well, <laughs> <laughs> but it looks like it had one successful night in the eighties and never again. <laughs> yeah. It looks like um, a set from a Bond film, like Moonraker or something. <laughs> <laughs> it really is a sight to behold and. Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks versus British Strong Style with another kind of uh, New Japan versus WWE UK style match um, and that show ended like half past midnight or oh, whatever yeah. <laughs> two intermissions and one was delayed because uh, Pentagon couldn't find his makeup or something <laughs> <laughs> that was bizarre um, 
I'm sad they didn't go back there, but at the same time, that's the Starworks warehouse is a great building for, yeah. for wrestling. It's huge. There's yeah, so it's much like a, going on. It's they like have a food in there and everything. It does feel a bit like the fiction, but just three times bigger. So in that sense, they got a good venue. Um, but this, they're going for the NEC for their big show in the DTTI. Um, and if you don't know, that's. I d- is it an arena? It's sort of just like a big convention center a, outside Birmingham. It's a very big building. Yeah, like I've been in there, and you have to like use tra- air- airport travelators to get around. Um, but like it's sort of like a series of conference rooms rather than like one giant arena thing. Yeah, it's a big step. It's a very big yeah. step. Like I'm, I'm guessing depending on the amount of tickets they sell will depend on how big the building is that they actually run. Um, but they have a chance to sell <laughs> a lot of tickets there, and they're bringing in some big names, uh, including Mako Satomura. Yeah, I saw uh, Mako, because basically it's over Easter weekend, so the chances of me being able to get to it are very slim. Uh, mm. But I'm tempted to buy a ticket anyway, just for that that Sunday, because I will probably be able to get to that. Awesome. If I get a <laughs> lift or something. <laughs> Easter Sunday, there'll be public transport. Shit. <laughs> and yeah. The DTTI, they're really trying to establish that as a big tentpole weekend in the Britrest calendar. Um, and if they, if their ambitions uh, can be matched by strong ticket sales, then it has a very strong chance of being one of the bigger shows of the year, maybe even the biggest, uh, apart from Progress Wembley, depending on how well that does. Well, um, they could get 10,000 in there. Well, they won't, but that's <laughs> the size of building that we're talking yeah. about. So we're talking big numbers here <laughs> compared to uh, the 200 people in the fiction. And yeah, it's, it's quite, a, <laughs> quite a steep increase. <laughs> I mean, the Starworks, they regularly have like 700 people in there. Yeah. But that is it's, yeah it's about ballroom sized, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Only there's less like obstructions to the viewers. Yeah. That's always an issue in the Electric Forum because those pillars are there. Yeah, but you building. can lean on them. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, you can't watch the match from the bar, which is unfortunate. You can in Fight Club Pro because I watched the Infinity Final leaning on the bar talking to Callum <laughs> Leslie. <laughs> um, oh yeah, we got a bit off topic though. Um, we need to talk about WXW. Yes. So and let's do that. Uh, obviously, everything's building towards 16 Carat, which is actually only a couple of weeks away. Uh, it and is. On the next episode, we'll probably preview it. Well, um, we're recording this like 30 days before it ends yeah <laughs> don't be so negative <laughs> no it just happens to be the 12th that we're recording yeah. on so that's when it finishes <laughs> but yeah uh, their big show in January was Back to the Roots which is their Kaffig uh, Schlacht show um, basically war games and with the whole Rise stuff going on which I think has been really compelling and they've been doing some good uh, when I've been checking it out Shotgun has been really good recently they just changed like the format of it, so they tape it all in a couple of days for the yeah. month, um, which I think will definitely help them out a but bit. They have telling more advertised stuff as shotgun tapings as well, whereas before they'd just pick random matches yeah. off of shows, and it was like, why have you used this one? <laughs> yeah, some of the matches could just be like, I don't, I couldn't give a fuck about this. <laughs> whereas now every match, yeah, it feels it's significant Chris even if versus it's... Kim Ray. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> and it also means they can use people like Tony Storm a lot more um, and keep her relevant throughout the month rather than just building her up before a big show. 
Um, so that's definitely a positive move for them. And the Rise stuff they've been doing on that, <laughs> it's been quite emotional. <laughs> because in the Catholic Schlacht, uh, Blackie Kid uh, hit Tarkin Aslan in the head with a chair. And they've sort of been doing a concussion retirement angle with Aslan, moving him out of a wrestling role into a management role, which is good. <laughs> I, I think as we've discussed earlier, I think that's where he suits best, managing for Lucky Kid rather than as a tag team. Um, and also just all the dramas that have been unfolding in that group. Um, yeah. You know, <laughs> they're very in touch with their emotions. Yeah, <laughs> and you feel sorry for them. <laughs> They're the most sympathetic henchmen I've ever seen in wrestling. Like, and, and um, if something goes wrong, we should just blame Pete Bouncer for it. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, I'll just so they, there's a few audio snafus this week. It's that fucking Pete Bouncer's fault. And then Ivan Kiev gets sad because he's established friends with Pete Bouncer, and then, and then he gets on <laughs> Bad Bones's case and makes a mean face. Uh-uh. It's it's very emotional, <laughs> I, and they they've got me invested in that definitely. Like because we early on in the rise run, we were worried that it was just kind of a bunch of goons and they weren't particularly interesting. They've done an excellent job with segments over time, building up who likes who, who doesn't like who in that faction, and it's all coming to a head and it's all blowing up in Bad Bones's face because he can't keep everyone happy at the same time. Yeah. It's it is an interesting situation. The uh, I was like you said concerned when they started doing rise because I yeah. don't like these big stables because it ends with lots of bullshitty finishes. Oh yeah, and but there they, were a lot of bullshitty finishes. <laughs> but they did a good job with the turns, uh, especially um, Bad Bones when he first turned. I thought that was superb. Yeah, and Demac. Sorry, I was having a drink of water. <laughs> um, and the the big. Uh tag matches, the 4-4 four and four against Cerberus at Tag League, and then this 4-4 four and four in the Catholic Slack have been really good as well, and just the intricate planning of how the match goes has been really interesting. As you say, blame Pete Bouncer for everything. Like, the match in the Catholic Slack turned on a dime when Bouncer hit uh, Bones in the head with uh, the cage door, and just suddenly everything changed, and it all went wrong for Rise. <laughs> And yeah, I thought they got they really got that kind of Dragon Gate style. One thing goes wrong, and then everything goes wrong for the team. <laughs> but f- messed up um, thing down really well in that match, and made it flow really well. Um, and it also set up because Walter tap made a uh, Bad Bones tap out. It set up a sixteen carat championship match, which was, would be Bad Bones I was versus so Walter. So upset about that. <laughs> so like, what do you mean? What Walter's not in sixteen carat? What's <laughs> I was, I was horrified. Not in it this time. Horrified. I don't know. It, it's good to mix it up occasionally. Yeah. Um. He, he played final boss last year, so this time he gets to fight the final boss. <laughs> yeah, that that'll be an interesting match. Uh, they've done a lot of good stuff. Um, in terms of building feuds up, the way they've worked on, uh, Yuen Simmons' character since yeah. that whole uh, massive product thing fell apart. Yeah, and that kendo stick stuff has been fascinating because I watched his match with Alexander James, which ended with uh, the kendo stick uh, decapitation, and that really cheered me up at a time when I wasn't feeling uh, very happy. <laughs> and so now it's being used against me as like a heel thing. <laughs> it's like a spit in the face. I've, I've, that's a really good uh, toying with your turnaround. Emotions. Yeah, <laughs> I did like the way um, 
he specifically uh, beat the shit out of Dirty Dragon as well because everyone knows that they're friends. Yeah. So, so I come across really well. They're doing a really good job with the male soap opera stuff. <laughs> but um, better than the, any yeah. other promotion, I think. So I was kind of hyped for the Absolute Andy Mario Salani feud and how it would probably come to a head around 16 carat. But Andy's struggling to stay heel. Yeah, I did think that he was sort of leaning into the positive reactions too much of the crowd against Bobby Guns when he so should have just been. Charismatic though, it's just <laughs> it's hard for him not to do that. And then you've got Marius, who, I mean, he's a nice enough guy, but like he doesn't have a personality. So doesn't have a personality. There's, no. there's nothing there for for Andy to play off, so he's just going to insult him a lot, and the crowd pop for it. Mm. They'll have to manage that a bit better <laughs> in the next. Was, the ideal also. way to do it was for Marius to turn, and we talked about this at uh, Tag League. And I always I said Marius is turning on him, and he's joining uh, Rise. And then when Andy turned, it was such a huge shock. Yeah, that it was. I think it's probably one of the the best booked turns I've ever seen because it was just so incredibly shocking. But then you look back at it, and it's like, well, logically, was it the right thing to do? And I'm not convinced that it was. But it was a great moment, so you kind of win some, mm. lose some. Uh, I I also have been enjoying um, the women's division yep. run so far. Like it, obviously, it's still very early going. Someone, um, someone was complaining on Twitter. I forget who it was, but they were complaining that uh, Killer Kelly lost like in her first defense in like six minutes. And I'm like, that was the story, though. Yeah, we've <laughs> <laughs> not been paying attention. Yeah, I I think WXW does reward paying attention to like just the little things that they do like that that fridge scene that got a, a bit memed uh that one shot gun when uh yeah i didn't Walter understand and what was going on <laughs> ian had to explain it to me uh i'm i guess i'm just not in tune with, with the german sense of humor <laughs> that it was a re- it was an odd one but it, it was a good excuse to sort of show that everyone was upset with kelly being a rookie champion and they showed that by being hangry basically <laughs> yeah i i don't know i've been enjoying that kind of stuff but that little stuff they've been hiding away in the shotguns sort of referencing the larger story beats that they're doing uh it it it's compelling it is a good show it's just not always worth watching for the for the matches they put yeah on the matches are hit and miss uh sometimes like uh they did that freeway between James Starr and Simmons which was really good and very important to the story they were doing there uh, but yeah oftentimes I skip over the matches and just watch the segments yeah, the segments are very key though so they do occasionally throw them into the the um, like there'll be a shotgun before a major event and you'll get like a lot of yeah. the repeats so you get like a highlights almost so yeah. you can kind of drop into it like the raw before a pay-per-view and they'll show yeah. you all the stuff that's happened so well the video packages and the match graphics they're doing a way ahead of anything job, else yeah. on the indies i think um because they have a full-time team doing it rather than um just <laughs> the owners doing it themselves um so they're a little more along as like a full fully fledged company than a progress or a rev pro which haven't been around for as long um so you know that <laughs> we're operating on different levels, but it, it's very impressive what they are doing and making it feel like such a professional package. Yeah, definitely. We talked about that before. That, that yeah. um, like how good their production values are, 
and how much effort and money they put into them and it really does show um yeah i'm really excited for carrot though because yeah, they're, they're on a good run they've here. built a um, lot of storylines going into it and if some of it pays off it's going to be great if all of it pays off then we could be in for a look at yeah. an all-time weekend and obviously we haven't talked about it yet because we didn't do um any shows in december when they had the anniversary show but Ilya dragonov is uh, you know his sort of retirement or sabbatical or they he, you know he hasn't wrestled since they put a thank you Ilya graphic up at yeah. the end of that show it's it's something hanging over the promotion, and you don't know whether they're going to pay it off or not. Is is he going to be coming back at Carrot or even oh, later? But it's it's something to keep an eye out for because I, you know, I don't think he's retired. It they probably would have I think explicitly they, said yeah, so. Yeah, they would have done yeah more with it if that was the case. It's well, he's got a newborn child. Uh, yeah, he doesn't have a lot of time off work, so. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him, but it's not something that is going to be permanent. Yeah, but I like that he's... He's probably quite like, banged up, to be honest. Yeah, it's kind of a Brock Lesnar thing. Him not being around uh, makes him more interesting. When Poochie isn't on screen, everyone should be <laughs> asking, where's Poochie? Ah, <laughs> uh, Simpsons. That's um, what you get of a Brit restaurant table. <laughs> Simpsons references. By the bucket load. Got, um got two other things we need to talk about uh one that i specifically want to talk about and one that rob wants to talk about so what, okay which do you want to do first uh should we do rob's uh rob's. interest in the oceania scene yeah he wants us to talk about the amount of australians that are currently active in the uk and that progress is now going to be running a show in australia as well there seems to be a yeah. bit of a talent exchange thing going on um we've seen some very uh, interesting guys come over. Uh, Aussie Open have been a huge success. Adam Brooks, uh, I think, has, has done very well for himself. He's had a couple of very strong matches. And yeah. I love the angle that he did in Rev Pro where he cut the Australian flag off, off Will Ospreay's gear. Yeah, that was fascinating. That was brilliant. Um, we also had Charlie Evans over here. Um, yep. She's less experienced than, um, than the likes of Brooks and Davis. Uh, I think she's done fine. Um, but there, there are going to be more. This is something that's going to happen yeah. <laughs> ongoing now. We never got the Will Ospreay uh, living in Australia scenario. It's not going to happen. <laughs> that may have been a work. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, we're getting Jonah Rock over very, very soon. And he's in 16 carat. So, you know, <laughs> the possibilities are endless there. As you say, Adam Brooks uh, currently in here. And. I don't even know when this started, really, but it's kind of snuck up on us that there are just so many guys from Australia and New Zealand there are, now making a living here. There are more, because I saw um, an Australian guy at uh, Strong Style, and we were talking to... I don't know if you were there. I was talking to Tim Terezi. Yeah. And he goes, like, that's an Australian guy over there. <laughs> I can't remember what he's... <laughs> he, he oh, it's, it's, that's... Um, Joey Axel, right, from a uh, five-star wrestling fame. <laughs> I wouldn't know. I don't watch five-star wrestling. Big watch, Mohawk, man. Watch everything else. <laughs> but yeah, he, he's been here for, I think, on and off for a couple of years. Uh, so he, and obviously, South was, Pacific like, Power Patient Zero, and... who was like, the first person to come over? Was it? Would it have been TK and like 
Was yeah, was it TK yeah, and Travis? I'm well, Travis came <laughs> over after, sure. didn't he? Yeah. TK and it Dahlia. may well have been TK and Dahlia. But it's just exploded since then and it just it's the done thing now that you come over here and you're part of Britrus almost immediately. Like the way Aussie Open made their impact, it was just like it was about nine or ten months ago and just that whole month they were just killing it. <laughs> they had the singles match in Fleck Club Pro, they had the the tag team championship win in attack. And they were just immediately established on the scene, and it <laughs> the way they can ingratiate themselves is pretty amazing. And there's just there's no misses apart from Sean Custom. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't quite ingratiate himself as integrate uh, he himself. Was okay, I guess. But until you mentioned him, I had forgotten that he came. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I guess that's a good thing, though. The misses haven't been complete bombs, and all the hits have been great successes. So, <laughs> this talent exchange thing we've got going on has <laughs> it's been very worthwhile so far. And now, progress are going over to Oceania, running a third continent in a year. I, I think they just fancy the holiday, to be honest. <laughs> it will be interesting to see who gets featured on those shows, because there is yeah. a lot of talent in Australia. Yeah, we saw the Slex versus Okada match. There's clearly more um, just below the surface. You know, New Japan are uh, trying to get into Oceania. So it's going to be sort of another proxy war between <laughs> uh, the global powers of New Japan and WWE. Uh, once again, but except in, instead of Britain, it's going to be in Australia and New Zealand. So it, it kind of is something relevant for us to keep track of. Obviously... Maybe there should be a Oceanian podcast specifically, um, but you know we're kind of twinned with that region. You know, the whole Will Osprey run last year, you know, so many of their guys over here. So we'll definitely keep track of how those shows go, and obviously progress running there is relevant to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're a distant cousin. Uh, yeah. So the the other thing that I wanted to talk about was uh, Will Ospreay and his January yeah and what an insanely good January he's had started off at Wrestle Kingdom had that four way and days later he was at the other dome in Tufnell Park selling merch <laughs> but then like, he had uh, that match with Adam, Adam Brooks at uh, chapter 61 he had a great yeah. match with Dick Riley in Pro Wrestling Chaos Oh wow, <laughs> that's out of the blue. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'd check it out if you've got Powerbomb TV. It's on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't, you can't see it unless you've got. Um, Pro, I'm sure Pro Wrestling Cast have their own uh, VOD thing as well. But uh, yeah, that was really good. Uh, he had a cracking match with uh, Wild Boar in Attack. That is genuinely on my match of the year list. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet, but I did see you reviewed it very highly. Yes. So great match wild balls yeah. way underrated but yeah another tremendous match from will osprey and he's just had that um hiromo takahashi match at mm-hmm. uh, new beginning i thought that was great as well and the the cat was exceptional <laughs> yeah. so yeah like he's been insanely good and we were talking about him at the british saying that like he is at the moment uh like mm. the premier british wrestler in the world I'd say so, yeah. Obviously, there's ZSJ, but uh, Osprey's just sheer output is beating him. It's crazy. And the fact that he's come back uh, to the UK in January and just had all these great matches. 
Yeah. I'm looking at that he, and going, yeah. like, what kind of a year is he going to have? Like, when we get to the end of the year, is he going to have racked up the kind of year that, that Okada had in 2017? Because it's entirely possible he's not yet peaked. Mm-hmm. Which is a yeah, it's, it's very exciting step, to see but... what he can do next. Obviously, he's in a great position in New Japan to have great matches. And whenever he comes over here, he feels like a huge star. He gets put in big time spots, even if he's not a regular. Yeah, <laughs> the the things that he can do this year are limitless, really. As long as he can stay healthy, um, stay happy, and you know, stay keep up this kind of schedule, um, you know, it's going to be excellent for him. I think he needs to pick his spots. He's always been a guy yeah. that will go out there and and just bust his ass in every match, and he doesn't need to do that. He's world famous doesn't need to kill himself in Bristol and anymore. His his spot is not running a wrestling promotion, I think we can both agree. Uh, yeah. It'd be interesting to see how that plays out. But, um... British Puroso. Oh, uh, dear. <laughs> oh, Frontline, dear. Wasn't it? Frontline Puroso. The copy-pasting the Wikipedia definition. <laughs> I'm, trying, I'm trying to be nice. That was amusing. Oh, yeah. Let's... I mean, in ring, he's just been incredible, Lovely. and like he keeps banging it out. And this is why he's a three-time Britty Award winner. <laughs> mm-hmm. The most prestigious part of his career oh, so easily, far. Oh, easily. Um, so, before we go, i got a question for you. Yes. And I started thinking about this earlier on when I was kind of putting together a few notes for the show. Mm-hmm. And I was like, we've just started a new year. Which import would you most like to see in British wrestling in 2018? Oh, it's it's a toughie like to, to hit me straight out the gate yeah, with that. Completely uh, out of the <laughs> I just want your gut reaction to it. Um well he's already announced, so I don't know if it counts, but Jonah Rock does fascinate me. Um and I'm very hyped to see him. But someone just completely out of left field, I don't know. Um I mean, I, I've always been on the Takamichi Noku train, and I want to ah. see him live before he retires. <laughs> and I, that, that's that's my secret uh, Suzuki-gun want. That's why I want this Suzuki-gun thing to happen <laughs> for Repro. But then he also runs uh, the K-Dojo, so I don't know if he'd have any free time. <laughs> if you can get a date, then bring him over, Randy Q. That's my sincere wish <laughs> for the new year. Um, I missed out on Kento Miyahara because he was in Swindon. Um, oh, Swindon. If someone, Who goes to Swindon? <laughs> if someone could book him, uh, that'd be great. Dick Togo. Oh yeah, love him to come out. And over he again. he again, isn't he's, uh, he's injured anymore. Booking Swindon as well. <laughs> um. Also, Dragon Lee. If someone could book Dragon Lee, that'd be lovely. I'd yeah, need definitely. some flips in my life, and. Um, also, Mayu Iwatani and uh, Tam Nakano. I'd love somebody to come and book them as a, as a tag team. <laughs> Fight Club Pro. Well, book book them as a tag team, Fight Club Pro. Against, like, well, we've got ten months to make your dreams come true. Yeah. So <laughs> that's, let's see what I happens. I think that's a pretty reasonable wish list. Yeah, we haven't gone, you know, overboard. <laughs> we haven't asked for Kenta Kabashi to get in a time machine. Yeah, <laughs> okay, so that's that's it. <laughs> that is it. Do we want to plug things? Hey, go ahead. Oh, well, you can follow me on Twitter at another Ollie. You can listen to British Audio Wrestling um, at the new home of post wrestling. <laughs> um, you can read my Euro notes in F4W every week. 
Arn? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Arnold Furious. Uh, you can also catch all my reviews, apart from the ones that are on Voices of Wrestling, uh, over at rearviewreviews.com. I have written an insane amount of reviews this year. Yeah, <laughs> Your output is insane. You're the Will Ospreay of the reviewing world. <laughs> and I don't mean that as a slight against your character. Thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> and with that, we are done. So we will see you in two weeks' time. Here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery.